Hello, and welcome to the Text in Us podcast. I'm your host, George Fricks, and I'm here with my co-host, L. Grover Fricks, to resume our discussions in Exodus chapter 31. Yeah, it's a short one today, so uh, we'll see yeah, how 18 long verses. the episode is. Right. So sometimes it's long, sometimes it's equally short. We'll find out. We'll find out, for sure. All right, here we go. Scroll of Shemot, chapter 31. This is the word of the Lord. Yahweh spoke to Moshe, saying, See, I have called in name Bezalel in the shadow of God, son of Uri, my light, son of Hur, snake den, for the branch of Yehuda, hand of praise. I have filled him with the spirit of Elohim, in wisdom and in understanding and in knowledge and in everything which fills him, to design a well-thought thing, to work in gold and in silver and in serpentine bronze, in carving stones for setting, in carving a tree to work in all the things which fill them up. I, look here, have given with him Ahaliav, my tent is a father, son of Achishsamach, my brother is a support for the branch of Dan, and the heart of all the wise of heart I will give wisdom. They will make all that I command, the tent of the appointed time, the chest of the testimonies, the smeared atonement that is upon it, all the clinking things of the tent, the table and the clinking things, the place of oil lights clean with all its clinking things, the place of slaughter of the incense, and the place of slaughter of things sent up, all the clinking things, and the basin and its base, and the stitched clothing set apart for Aharon, the opulent delegate, and the clothing of his sons to be opulent delegates, and the oil of anointing, and the sweet incense for the set apart, according to all that I have commanded you to do. Yahweh said to Moshe, saying, You speak to the sons of Yisrael, saying, Ach, my Shabbat you will guard, for it is a mark between me and you for your eras, that you will know that I am Yahweh who is setting you apart. You shall guard the Shabbat, for it is set apart for you. The one who begins to pierce her dying, they will be put to death. For all who do that which fills them, the soul will be cut off from the interior of her people. Six days you will do that which fills you, and the seventh day, Shabbat of set-apart stillness, is for Yahweh. All who do the things which fill them in the day of Shabbat dying, they will be put to death. Sons of Yisrael guard the Shabbat to do the Shabbat for their eras, a cut banquet agreement of vanishing eternity between me and the sons of Yisrael. It is a mark of vanishing eternity. For six days Yahweh made the fire water in the earth, and on the seventh day he was still. His soul breathed. He gave to Moshe when he finished speaking with him on the mountain of Sinai, two polished slabs of the testimonies, polished slabs of stone written in the finger of Elohim. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Interesting pairing there. You know, we have the BT dubs. This is how it's going to all get done. I presume that's the, your first part. Here right. are the people I'm assigning. Yep. And then also, make sure you still follow Shabbat. Even though we're doing this project, we got to follow Shabbat. You know why? I'll tell you why. <laughs> Just a little review slide in the PowerPoint from God. Yeah. And uh, I mean, we'll get to that section in, you know, 
in a minute. But yeah, it's definitely uh, an unusual throw in that, you know, if it wasn't in there, right? You wouldn't notice. You wouldn't notice. So, you know, it goes straight from that to the the commandments. Right. Knowing the halachic conversation, though, um, the question would immediately arise, given the way that God's people thought about stuff, to say, wait, if we're supposed to be doing all this, is it imperative that we do it as fast as possible and finish it? Are we still supposed to do this? Are we still supposed to do this? Are Mm -hmm. we still supposed to do this? So from that perspective and that cultural lens, it certainly makes sense that God would throw on a clarifying. Now, some people out there might be tempted to say that this is a redaction evidence of, you know, some kind of documentary hypothesis situation. But I mean, sure. I am not enthused, not, not intrigued, not interested. Uh, perhaps, perhaps that's why it's there, but isn't there a more interesting answer? I would think so. I would hope so. Well, maybe, maybe by the time we get down there, we'll have something figured out. Let's. Oh, we already have it figured out. No <laughs> doc info. Duh. Okay. But let's look at Betzalel. Yeah. Uh, our boy Betzel is back. Uh, yes. We uh, had that conversation a while back. I was like, hey, they call this guy. They've got a name for him. You're like, yeah, of course they do. It's later in the text. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I guess that makes sense. Way to so, remind everyone of your own burn there. Right. Self burn. So part one is going to be one through 11. And it is about these craftsmen, uh, or specifically uh, Betzel, working on the tabernacle. So... We get this great, uh, I mean, short little genealogy here in verse 2 of him, which is interesting that, you know, we put that in there of you can't just have the guy's name, right? There's a whole introduction into it. Lineage. Right. Uh, Yeah. Son of Uri, my light, son of Hur, snake den. Um, for the branch of Yehuda, hand of praise, there's a little like Ur of the Chaldim, right? Yeah. Is where Avraham is from. So that's a bit of a callback. The snake den, that's the kind of caves that we had in the cliff behind God's people before they crossed oh, the sea. Oh, in the Exodus, reads. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we got Yehuda. I'm not sure exactly where he fits into maybe the Yosef story in Genesis, but I, don't I could know. just be doing a poll that's not really real who knows um i do find it interesting that it doesn't say the tribe of yehuda right the just the branch yeah any rabbinical comment on that uh not that i could find uh it doesn't mean there's not one okay. out there uh but it is not something that i could find, uh, find anything on yeah so okay. if you know something let us know i'd love to hear about why it's for the branch of yehuda Yeah, Um, unless they're really emphasizing either authority because of the branch staff thing, or maybe they're emphasizing different branches of a tree, you know, since we're talking about trees. Yeah, yeah. Um, And then to top all of that off, verse 3, I have filled him with the spirit of Elohim. Sure have. Which is unique, right? We don't see people filled with the spirit. In this way. That often. But it does yeah. happen. Um, prophets. Prophets, for sure. Judges, Kings. for sure. We haven't gotten to that yet. That's right. 
our boy Shaul after he shows up and uh, meets Shmuel who right. like, spins around in a spinny chair stroking a cat and it's like, I've been waiting for you. Have some dinner. Your bed is on the roof. Um, by the way, you're the king. The first thing he tells him to do is go get filled by the spirit. Um, so it certainly happens. Uh, it is interesting, of course, that it happens here. I'd also draw attention to the specific phrase, spirit of Elohim. Because we're used to seeing that in our happy little Trinitarian world with specific names. Um, what do we usually call the spirit? Holy. Yes. Ruach HaKodesh. And this is Ruach Elohim. Um, and, of course, when you're not using the documentary hypothesis, every different usage has a different meaning and a different intentionality and a different purpose behind it. And so fascinating, at least to me, I was learning some Jewish tradition recently about the different uses, Ruach Elohim versus Ruach HaKodesh. Ruach Elohim shows up in Genesis. Um, And there are two camps. I like them pasted together. But one of them said that Ruach Elohim is for the creative spirit, like the spirit in its creative form. I'm only saying that there's one spirit of God. I'm not saying that there's lots of different spirits of God, let's be clear. But the... um, (laughs) I'm trying to get away from a Pokemon metaphor that I want to make. Um, But the version is wrong word. The evolution is wrong word. The... Form... Sure. The form, this emphasis with this title, they want to say. The manifestation of God. There we go. Is creative or nurturing, says the other camp. I like the two of those going together. You know, being nurturing is creative. Um, Good creativity is nurturing to people and, you know, not awful. (laughs) Um, I like it. Yeah. So... It's that lines up with that theory, by the way. Ruach HaKodesh is the one that usually the Holy Spirit is the one that fills prophets. So they make a distinction between those those camps. There we go. So it's the right one. Look at that. Almost like these uh, folks knew what they were talking about. Right. I like that he gets the whole trifecta in wisdom and in understanding and in knowledge. So the original Shlomo here. I know. He's lacking. Yeah. Come on, come on, bro. <laughs> Solomon only gets a good heart of a judge. He's like the fulfillment. I'm so way ahead of us, but it's okay because like 10 years ahead of us. Um, he gets the heart of a judge. And then later God says, P.S., you're wise. But what Solomon actually asks for is the heart of a judge, which is none of these things. Um, and then God gives him the first one. So this guy has got the whole trifecta. Um, and we've got this malach word at the end, which is our word for angel. Okay. If I was going to be irresponsible and, um, go with my supernatural inclinations, you know, you could be like in wisdom and in knowledge and in the angels, um, because that's what the word says. I don't think that that's a fair, consistent translation because, like, this was in our Ten Commandments. You're not okay. allowed to do angels on Shabbat. That doesn't make any sense. 
right? And we've talked before about the word for angel is they've been their messenger, right? So right. they're filled up with something else. Yeah. So whenever we talk about um, something that fills somebody, I want to be clear, um, that's not our contemporary language. Like, I just go on hikes because it just fills me up. It's not that. It's when you sure. have a patron or a boss or a supervisor who gives you something that fills up your day. You were planning on spending time with your kids or doing whatever you enjoy, but instead your day was given with the baking of a thousand croissants. Now, would there be a difference like between it being in a verb form or a noun form? You know, I always think of angel as being the name of something, right? Uh, but this is using that word in a different way, right? Well, it's and that is describing they're both nouns. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, just like wisdom and understanding and knowledge are all nouns, it's also noun. Okay, never mind. It's not. <laughs> so your angel What are you going to do? Yeah. Your angel work, you know the ones. Um, evidently, that involves designing a well-thought thing. We've talked about that word before when we were talking about weaving, right? Right. Um, to work in gold and silver and serpentine bronze and carving stones for setting and carving a tree to work in all the things. Renaissance man. <laughs> yeah got to be it's got to be ready no wonder it's just the one guy there's not that many leonardo da vinci's wandering around um but he gets a second in command i can only imagine that he's like the the chief of the site i don't know maybe he is supernaturally doing everything by himself but he gets i wouldn't imagine so i would imagine that he's got a team involved yeah you would think so but who knows he gets a assistant My tent is a father. People try to get around that by sticking the my on father, like my father is a tent. That would certainly make more sense. But the possessive suffix is on the tent word, not the father. So my tent is a father. Um, Maybe he's saying like my home, um, my place of living is a beacon of such hospitality that it is a patron to many yeah like a father i i i would support that concept in you know it's a very biblical concept right that's the abraham abraham Mm. uh lifestyle right? right uh so yeah i i would support that i you know it and i think it doesn't make sense to go the other way and uh, state that this guy is just a little bit whack and thinks his tent is his daddy. (laughs) That would be weird. Uh, We've got the formulation for the branch of Dan. uh, That just makes me think of, like, you know, at the Council of Elrond, who will go for the elves and, like, Liz Greenleaf is going to pop up and be like, it is I for the branch of Dan, you know. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I'm here for it. Uh, but sticking with that theme, obviously, in this chapter of using branch instead of right. tribe. Tribe. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, which, you know, I guess we see that in other places in the text, right? Mm-hmm. Branch of Jesse. Yeah. So, you know, maybe there's something there in that, you know, it has some further distinction. Yeah. Maybe, who knows? Yeah, maybe he's the eldest in the tribe of Dan or, you know, something. who knows? Something. something. I love 
theologically, even though this is probably not what I should have as the takeaway from this passage, but it is, um, at least in this moment, the line in the heart of all of the wise of heart, I will give wisdom is super interesting to me regarding God's path of patronage, right? His path of grace. He, like we often hear, which is totally true in plenty of stories that God takes some nobody and puts them in the center stage and puts them in the spotlight and makes the third born the first born, you know, that's classic God move. But here he looks for who is already wise of heart, who has done the work in mm. order to be wise of heart. And then once I find them, I will give them more wisdom right. and heart in order that they might do everything that I command. Yeah, that's um, a great point. Yeah, it's, that's uh, encouraging, you know. Why would you do any work on yourself if, uh, in your character with the help of God if God's just going to choose the least qualified person every time? Apparently not every time. Okay, uh, they will make all that I command, the tent of the appointed time, the chest of the testimonies, the smeared atonement that is upon it, all the clinking things. He lists everything that we've gone over right. for, what has it been, two months? Yep. Um, we got a new term at the end there, the stitched clothing I set saw apart that. for Aharon. Yeah. It's a different word than they've used before, um, which is interesting you know just summing up all of those different things we had checkers we had pomegranates we had bells we had so much going on right <laughs> like you know what stitched stitched is the all-encompassing <laughs> adjective we're gonna go with um, yeah no times. it was interesting robert alter went with like service garment or something like that okay interesting um i'm sure it's for a reason um i would just have to poke around to piece together what his reason is yeah NRSV said finally worked vestments. Finally, I mean, again, I went with clothing because it's what we've used other places. Yeah. But if we want to bring back raiment and or vestment as a regular everyday clothing word, I'm here for it. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I mean, people are trying to figure out how to describe what this is. Um, it's interesting that the clothing of his sons does not get that distinction. Yeah. Um. They just get clothing. Yeah. Although, I mean, it's kind of the biblical motif pattern where the layout, how something happens in detail, and then they'll echo it again, but Maybe. without the detail. Cause it's kind of Joseph-y. Mm, Joseph gets more. the fancy, fancy vestments, and his brothers get the regular ones. Um, I mean, maybe. Maybe. Um, who knows? Uh they get the oil of anointing. They get the sweet incense for the set apart, according to all that I've commanded you to do. Yep. And then we get our transition into part two. Yes. Boom. There it is. Key change. Yahweh said to Moshe saying, you. It's always I w- extra I love that. dramatic. Hey, <laughs> you on the rock. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I kind of picture Moshe with the giant, like, you know, scroll that he's frantically scribbling in all the instructions and like Bezalel of, because he has to come down and find that guy, right? Right. That guy doesn't necessarily know what's going to happen. So he's like, okay, he's in this tribe. And then I have to find his dad and tell him what's going on. And then God says, you, uh, which is not grammatically necessary in Hebrew. You can just say the verb and who you're speaking to is contained within the verb form. 
So whenever someone does that, it is extra. Speak to the sons of Israel saying, ah, I left that untranslated. That is literally what it is. That's great. In Hebrew, ah, <laughs> my Shabbat, you will guard. That's original syntax. I know it's better in English to say you will guard my Shabbat, but flipping it around does give nice emphasis on it what does. God is worried about. Almost as if maybe Moshe has been scribbling and now it is Shabbat and God's like, hold the phone, stop scribbling, it's Shabbat. Just a theory. For it is a mark between me and you. Yeah. This is a different translation for me of a word that we've used before. Okay. So before I've gone with the classic, which is sign. Ah, yeah. That always makes me think of like Jesus, uh, that kind of sign, like a miracle, like give us a sign that okay. it is really yeah. you uh-huh. or Gideon being like, give me a sign. I don't know if it, that's the same word in the Gideon story, but I went with Mark because it is the word that's used for circumcision. Right. Which, um, as we've said before, I love theologically because thankfully women are left out of the covenant of circumcision. And so them getting an equivalent, um, at least in Shabbat, is nice. And it's also the word that's used, signs and seasons, when talking about the zodiac and the heavens and fate and destiny and how God is greater than those things, right? Um, And so... (laughs) You know, if you want it to be very annoying, somebody's like, what's your star sign? You can be like, Shabbat following is my sign, because it's the same word. No. Um, That person who you're speaking to would probably just blink blankly at you and... They would. Move on. But you'd be right. Um, So it is your oat between me and you. Um, I don't think I've thought about Shabbat in that way. You know, when I think about Shabbat, it's usually like, this is important for us to do. This is part of the way God designed the world. This is part of the image of God. This is good for me. Um, This is good for my family. This is good for society. I haven't thought of it as like, this is a marker um, for being a follower of God's of God or not. Yeah. Right? Well, Rashi, here's what Rashi says, and I like this. There is a mark of distinction in the relation that exists between us being, you know, God's people and God. Uh, the fact that I have chosen you by letting you inherit for rest that day on which I rested. Nice. So it's not just a, an affiliation, it's an inheritance, right? It's a part of what we have inherited from God mm. is that day of rest. Right. So. Right, which should be for everyone because precedes even Avraham. Yeah. Um, And God handily gives us a nice little purpose for something, which doesn't always happen. Why are we keeping Shabbat? Why is this the mark between me and you for your eras that you will know that I am Yahweh? Um, That's a a great Egypt poll from Pharaoh. Yeah. Yeah. Pharaoh reversal, one yeah. might say. Um, I would just zone in, of course, that that's the experiential relational knowledge, not the um, not one, in that it might be hard to experientially relate to someone and know them when you're just constantly, you know, 
working. Yeah. 24-7. No, no day to get to know um, the greater meaning in the world beyond you. Get to know God. Who is setting you apart? That's the next line. I just love that that's present tense. Um, there's this conversation. There's mainstream Protestantism idea of sanctification, right? Is that it's something that happens throughout your era, throughout your life that you better be co-working with God on, right? You're justified at salvation, then you're sanctified, and then after you die, you're glorified. Thus goes the Romans um, little proof text that's used for those doctrines in Orthodox communities and in um, the traditional Jewish theology. Sanctification is something that is done by God and then is finished, right? Um and we see that at Passover when he talks about setting us apart. Boom, we're already holy. We don't do anything to change that, right? Versus in Protestant theology, you're doing good works in order to become more and more holy, right? Right. We're praying that we might become more sanctified. For Orthodox and Jewish community, nope, it's already done. Here, it is God doing it rather than us, but it is still present tense. It is something that is still being mm. done. Yeah. Now, contextually in the story, that could be because they haven't quite yet done the the anointing of everybody. Um, if you want to get really technical, right, they said how to make the anointing oil, etc., but they haven't done it yet. So you could wriggle through a little, little chink in the wall there if you want to. But I think it's interesting and fun. Yeah. Um, then it says, you shall guard the Shabbat for it is set apart for you. It's always nice as Jesus is going to agree. Sabbath is made for us. The one who begins to pierce her. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. Uh, what do other people go with? We got violated uh, or something? Mostly profane. Those A who profane, profane. right. Profane. Profane is interesting um, because it implies like corruption of some kind, right? Um, not consecrated, violate. It's the medieval Latin profanus that it's coming from. Um, treat something with irreverence. But this word is used a lot of the time in Genesis just as the word for to begin, which is interesting. Um but then when you look at the picture behind that begin, it's like when you're starting a craftsmanship um, project and the first thing you do is you've got to stab the leather through to okay. begin stitching it. Yeah. That's the kind of idea. Um, and so I think that that's the point more than begin, but I also put begin in just in case. The one who begins to pierce her, right? So even if you start to try to upend Shabbat, it's not like, look, I didn't sculpt a whole hmm, building sure. on Shabbat. I uh -huh. just, you know, did a little bit of tweaking on this pillar. Um, that's how I would interpret that. I didn't do work. I just sent an email. Right. <laughs> really nailing yourself there, George. Yep. That's <laughs> Twice my... Twice in one episode. That's my vice. Self-burn. Between the two of us, George is the workaholic. That is the truth. Okay, dying they will be put to death. Nothing casual here. For all who do that which fill them, the soul will be cut off from the interior of her people. First off, I've been doing a lot of reading recently, 
and learned that uh, Talmudically in the halacha and the legal code, anytime it doesn't say what, um, like that you're supposed to stone someone to death or it doesn't say how you're supposed to kill them, Talmudically they decided that the way that you were supposed to kill them was lower them into a pit of dung up to their knees. Bad start. <laughs> like, okay. Who wants to know the rest of it? Right. And then you have two people with cloth and they stand on either side of you and they strangle you to death with the cloth while you can't get away, I presume, because you're standing in a knee pit of dung. Gross. It is gross. Yeah. I don't know why that's better than stoning. I mean, maybe stoning's more traumatic for the community, but it seems like someone gets you in the temple. That's pretty good, you know? Well, you know, I think, you know, we we talked a little bit about stoning a while back because there were a couple of instances where it talked about when people would be put to death and the different language used. And there was things in that where they were referencing Talmud of like, okay, this phrase is when you stone, this phrase is when you behead somebody. Um, And so it must just be part of that whole system that they developed based on the different words that they used in the text and why they are different must be, must mean a different kind of punishment of some kind. Wild. Well, now you can live in that nightmare. Next time you want to send an email on Shabbat, you can remember the dung pit. (laughs) (laughs) The soul will be cut off from the interior of her people. I think it's really interesting that that follows death, right? It's not like you'll get cut off from your people. More specific than that, it's your soul that gets cut off. Um, That's going to mirror the language about God's soul at the end there. Um, But it's like that happens afterward, which the... Jewish understanding of death and post-death is all fascinating and not what we might imagine. Um, You know, I might guess that, oh, like, well, biblically we see Sheol and so it must be like this and like this. And you think that'll mirror pretty well. Um, But (laughs) um, at least one Talmudic section um, that I was reading today talks about how if you're a good soul, a tzaddik, so you've done all of the commandments. You've been inscribed with a tav on your forehead because you have gone to the final letter of the law. Um, you go straight to heaven. Um, you're bad. Okay. You go straight to Sheol. If you are mediocre, which, man, Mad Max Fury Road. MG, mediocre. <laughs> for me. <laughs> One of my favorites. Um then you go down for a little while and then you're put through the refining fire of God. And then once you're purified, I'm not sure if that's in shale or not. It was pretty challenging reading. So you go somewhere in order to get purified in the refining fire. And then after that, you go and join everybody else in heaven. So I don't know if this matches up with that idea of like after death your soul is cut off from being in the midst of your people right because you're not going to rejoin everybody else okay you know no you're gonna stay in shale interesting just an idea of course i am not no expert but um babylonian tractate um 
uh, Sanhedrin has all the spicy stuff. If you're ever looking to have a wild time, go and read that tractate of Talmud. Um, he says, six days you will do that which fills you. In the seventh day, Shabbat of set apart stillness is for Yahweh. All who do the things which fill them in the day of Shabbat dying, they'll be put to death. I'm sure there is something chiastic in there. Probably. Sons of Israel just charging on, not yep. not finding it. <laughs> Leave it to our wonderful listeners. Sons of Israel guard the Shabbat to do the Shabbat for their eras. A cut banquet of vanishing eternity. So an eternal covenant. It's a pretty big deal. It's very interesting to see which laws God brands with this one's forever and which ones he doesn't say. And between me and the sons of Yisrael, it is a mark of vanishing eternity. For six days, Yahweh made the fire, water, and the earth. And on the seventh day, he was still, his soul breathed. Yeah, nice little pull from, you know, the Genesis narrative of this is how it went down. Right, so, yes. That is in case the you forgot. word for soul, which is nefesh, made into a verb. So pulling okay. out the breath. Um, part of soul, which the word for breath is different than the word for soul, but there is something about um, onomatopoeically that crosses over there in Jewish theology, thanks to Genesis 8, the soul actually doesn't live in the breath, it lives in the... Uh, the... You will not spill the... Blood. Blood, there yes. There we go. Yep, soul lives in the blood. Um, but... It still has a tinge of breathing in it, so that's how I went with that, his soul breathed. Other people will say, like, his soul is renewed, um, revivified, refreshed sometimes, um, which interpretively, again, I get what they're saying, but it's just the word for soul, like soul. Alter is just going to say he caught his breath. Oh, interesting. Huh, that's just, fun. Just catching his breath. <laughs> There's a lot of work, you know, you got to... Yeah. Take a breather. That's funny. I mean, I like it. Yeah. NRSV is going to say refreshed. If this Which goes with what you were saying. Yeah. If this wasn't an audio medium, I might have gone with sold, like the word soul and then apostrophe and then a D or something. Um, Because it's, again, just the word for soul. Okay. Jerusalem Bible is going to say he rested and drew breath. So. Amelia Bedelia. I guess there. drawing breath to me has more of like a, a birth mm. mentality to it, but I don't know. Wow. You know, you're coming up out of the water, you draw your breath. Who Fascinating. knows? I like that. Very cinematic, George. Last little portion here. He gave to Moshe when he finished speaking with him on the mountain of Sinai, two polished slabs of the testimonies, polished slabs of stone written and the finger of Elohim. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah. Very fun. Getting right to it. I mean, he also writes on the wall of Nebuchadnezzar's house when he's having yeah. a big feast, or is it some other side? Uh, boy. Way later. It is way later. Way later. Prophets. <laughs> Prophets later. But so is what he wrote on the wall, you know, his version of... Um, the Ten Commandments. Ten Commandments, yeah. Or the way that you might live. Who knows? That's a great thought. We'll have to, I mean, remember that when we get there. <laughs> 20 years from now. Okay.
I definitely Googled it um, just for my own ego there, letting everybody know I didn't have it memorized. But he wrote four words, God has counted the days until your kingdom will end. You have been weighed and not found. <gasps> wow, the Knight's Tale line is in the word of the Lord. Who knew? I'm sure other people, just not me. That's Daniel 5 if you want to go read. Your kingdom is being taken from you. So not really very Ten commandments see. I'm sure there's a cool teaching on it. I just haven't found it yet. Who knows? Maybe that's what Jesus wrote in the dirt. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> I have a whole episode on that. I know. Podcast. But did it cover this? <sighs> I don't think it did. Can I have to go back? I, I guess. It's almost like... Everything has changed now. <laughs> the world, the word is a continually unveiling dynamic scene of beauty that we get to keep learning from our whole life okay well if you have questions comments concerns encouragements curiosities anything of that nature you can send them to textinus at gmail.com this has been the textinus podcast thank you so much for joining us and we hope that you will join us again next week for exodus chapter 32